This is Maya Anderson with Becker's Women's Leadership Podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Jendel Allen Davis, President and CEO of Craig Hospital in Englewood, Colorado. We will be discussing how Dr. Allen Davis's clinical background has shaped her as a leader, as well as gender equity in the healthcare workforce. Dr. Allen Davis, it's a pleasure to speak with you today. Well, thank you for this opportunity. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. And to start us off, could you please introduce yourself and tell us a bit about your background? Sure. Well, so you've got my name, and um, I've been at Craig Hospital nearly three years as president and CEO um, of the hospital. Prior to this, I was with Kaiser Permanente for 24 and a half years. actually hired on in 1994 here in Denver as a staff OBGYN. Um, makes no sense that I'm now <laughs> you know, serving as a leader of a, a neurorehabilitation hospital for spinal cord and uh, brain injury, but that's how life works, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and for most of the time I was at KP, Kaiser Permanente, that 24 and a half years, I was actually in clinical practice. So I stopped all practice in 2009 um, and uh, joined the health plan leadership team as the vice president for government external relations and research. Um, I, I think in terms of uh, just real quickly, the leadership journey, which I'd say starts goodness, who knows, too many years ago to count and way before KP. Um, I think I've just always had a big interest or or gravitated towards work that was working on or focused on making systems and processes and people and life better, I suppose. Um, I loved clinical practice. I actually, from including my residency, uh, took care of women um, and families uh, in the way that I did for 25 years, which is uh, something I'm super proud of and for sure prepared me for what I get to do every day here at Craig, let alone prior to joining Craig. I got a couple kids. I have a 34-year-old and a 31-year-old, the daughter and son, respectively, and I have been married to my college uh, sweetheart since 1985. We met in 1979 at Dartmouth. So that's a little bit about myself. Yeah. yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. And kind of going off of what you were already talking about with your clinical background, what are some ways you think that background as a physician has helped shape you as the leader you are now? So one of these days, should I ever retire, which I, you know, I'll do some at some point in this uh, wonderful long life, um, I plan to write a book, and I've already started it. I started it in 2014. It hit me that the title will be "Everything I Ever Learned About Leadership I Learned at the Feet of My Patient." my patients. And um, I have a number of uh, sort of chapter titles already laid out, things like uh, good doctors are good coaches. And the same goes for leaders. Good leaders are good uh, coaches. And certainly, as I think about the uh, clinical um, encounters and the decision-making that I had to make in partnership with my patients, it was super important that they felt supported and that I was uh, honest with them and transparent and gave them all the information they needed so that we could together um, engage in shared decision-making, and it's certainly how I lead. One of the funnier chapter titles is Never Go to... Uh, never go to a doctor whose houseplants are dead. And that's all <laughs> about the notion of self-care, that we, we need to make sure that we're um, putting ourselves first in order to be our best, both in service to, as I said, to patients, but also certainly as leaders of organizations like this. I got a number of those sorts of things. Like um, there's one chapter I said, what is this thing called elephant? Um, uh, doing your job on the team, serving your role on the team while all the other team players players uh, play their role. And that's about 
the notion that we bring what we bring to any one of our leadership engagements, but we've got to respect the the skills, the talents that are both innate and born, but also those that people have learned and gathered over years in solving some complex problems. And I'll tell you, with respect to COVID, that one for sure has been the key to, um, I'd say, our two-date success of having no COVID in our patient population since this uh, um, awful pandemic began. It's that we uh, rely on the wisdom of the entire team. But I have a number of those kinds of chapter uh, titles that uh, I think even there have been times where I've said, um, there's one I said, uh, you think I learned that in medical school, uh, patients as teachers, doctors as students, because we can learn a lot from our patients if we're just quiet and we listen and ask the right questions and use our powers of discernment. And the same is in leadership, you know, talk less and listen a lot more. Yeah, for sure. I hope someday we're all able to enjoy that book. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get it written someday. You're you're right. (laughs) And um, next off, would you be able to share three pieces of advice for emerging women leaders today? Yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, whether we want to say that um, we are coming into our own as women leaders or not, I think what I hope the world, and certainly um, many of the pockets I run in, we're all beginning to appreciate is that it takes all kinds of leadership and all sorts of leaders with lots of different life's walks to to make things work. And um, what I would say for women leaders that I think is important is um, to to do a few things. First, don't fall into some sort of sense of what's the stereotype of what a woman leader should look like. It's really about being yourself, bringing your true and total and authentic self into leadership, which um, means uh, being vulnerable, Whether and that actually goes for men and women. But for sure with us, we can think we're supposed to walk in buttoned up and or, or more importantly, allow ourselves to be silenced by what might be going on around us. It is to speak our truths clearly and uh, quietly. Um, and speak them to power, uh, let alone when we're in power, making sure that we're listening to others um, who are in those uh, similar roles. The -hmm. second thing I would say is I think it's important that we um, view one of the important kinds of responsibilities or accountabilities given that to those who much is given, much is expected, uh, that we're not only serving as mentors to uh, folks coming behind us, whether they're men or women, but they were also serving as sponsors, that is being um, the the best cheerleaders for those of us and promoters of those of us who we think might have the ability to move um, on and up. And then the third thing is we, and we know this, is that there's a sense that we have to have like 90% of all of these roles and what's required of them um, in, in hand before we actually go for the roles. It still surprises me. Um, that I get to do what I do every day. And I do mean it's a privilege. I did use the word get to do that. This is an honor and a privilege to get to serve Craig hospital, our teams, as well as the patients and families. And um, I've picked up a constellation of all sorts of experiences and exposures and formal education over all these years that prepared me for this role. Um, But not because I could sit down and write down what they all are. Um, That is a distinct difference, I think, between um, folks who um, have more, I'll say, male-oriented thinking versus feminine or female-oriented thinking is that we have to have all the pieces. People are watching you all the time, and you never know who that is, and there's things that they can see in you that you may not be able to see in yourself, so I say go for it. 
go mm-hmm. for those those roles. Some you will get and some you will have spectacular failures, but you're going to learn through every single one of those opportunities where we're tested. Yeah, I think those are great pieces of advice, especially, you know, not being afraid to fail. I think that's a super important piece of advice for people to hear. Um, so thank you for sharing those. And the mm-hmm. last thing I wanted to ask about involves the topic of gender equity, specifically in the healthcare workforce. The COVID-19 pandemic was very harmful to gender equity across the entire U.S. workforce um, as women largely became responsible for child care while schools and daycares closed and many had to leave their jobs. Um, according to a McKinsey Global report in the U.S., women make up 43 percent of the workforce, but accounted for 56 percent of COVID related job losses. So my question for you is, um, what are some ways or steps you think that hospitals and health systems should take to ensure that their women employees are able to both maintain and advance their careers? Yeah. You know, it's been a tough year in so many ways for so many people walking through this um, pandemic, which sadly we're still walking through, aren't we? Mm-hmm. And I actually think some of the aftermath and fallout is going to continue for um, some time after we actually stabilize and bring the rates of infection down and increase, hopefully, um, the use of effective vaccines. Um, you know, the, the the reality is, I said to someone this morning, one of the most important things we can do is have our our ears open and our hearts open and be just willing to listen. Um, I think that uh, we need to understand and be and appreciate the stressors that all family members, but in particular women, because we know that um, those sort of traditional roles that women play have not uh, significantly or substantively changed in terms of who's got primary accountability for all sorts of stuff outside of work. Um, And I think it's important that we're checking in with them Um, when we think about the fact that uh, the predominant, um, that women are um, more than disproportionately represented around our nursing staff who have been um, on the front lines of helping us fight this pandemic. We need to tend to their mental health needs, make sure we're checking in there. Um, and we're in the middle of a nursing crisis, frankly, in terms of uh, uh, the ways that we perhaps haven't supported our nursing uh, and other uh, women leaders as much. But in particular, when I think about nurses, whether nurse leaders or others, um, I think it's important that we're making rounds, that we're checking in, sitting down on units and just getting a sense of how things are playing out and what we might do and how we might um, ease their some of their, their I'll call it suffering. And what I found over time, and it was that way in clinical practice, is often the best thing that we can do is just to listen. And listen for some um, constructive things that are very specific to your culture and your workforce around how to respond to it. But the other is just to make sure that people know they're not alone and that there is all sorts of help available, hopefully within the walls uh, where we happen to work, but if not, certainly outside. Yeah, I think mental health seems to be something that leaders are recognizing more and more is key to staff well-being and staff retention. Yes, and we started thinking about it right from the beginning in terms of the pandemic. I looked at it as one of my primary um, responsibilities and roles. We have wonderful infection prevention and safety managers and emergency management teams, great clinician uh, leaders um, in our physician and other ranks. And I said, you know, I can do a lot of all, a little bit of all of those things. But what um, the the one role that I very uniquely chose to play alongside our um, head of psychology and our chaplain was the role of attending to the emotional and social well-being of all of our employees. 
and mm-hmm. and it's a it's one that um, I think from our chair as leaders we can uniquely play. And I hope it was refreshing because I don't I'm not sure that we um, traditionally view that as uh, something that we can bring. And I think it is also something that maybe right, wrong, or in between, I think women uniquely can bring and are able to express in ways, sadly, that we don't make the space for men to either express how they're hurting, let alone how they would respond to in empathetic and authentic ways to their workforce. Um, And that's one of the things we need to work on changing. Yeah, exactly. Well, Dr. Alan Davis, thank you so much for this fascinating discussion. Um, It was great having you to speak with us today, and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. I would love to. Thanks so much and do be well and be safe. Thanks, Maya. Thanks so much.